What's up, guys? I'm Hugh Rages. And I'm Suicidal Sanders. And we are Technically Gaming, a weekly podcast where we cover everything from AMD to World War Z. If it's about gadgets or the interwebs, we've got you covered. If you would like, you can check the podcast out every Friday over at YouTube.com slash Hugh Rages, our most major podcast services around the world. Suicide. We have a yeah. thing for second attempts, don't we? We do. <laughs> <laughs> so yada, yada, yeah, yada, like we did in the first attempt. I got a new PC. It was hard to get set up. Suicide's been doing the same stuff. I almost said a word that I probably shouldn't have that he has been doing the last few weeks. So, yeah. Suicide, take us to the news. <laughs> right, yeah. A lot to get through. And we're going to be starting with the culling. Hugh, what is going on with the culling and its pay-to-play system? So, they... This is an update. Yeah, this is an update. We talked about this last week. The culling says it's keeping its pay-to-play system. Uh, They're not happy with the way it's announced. I'm not sure why particularly about that. But they think that their new monetization model is going to bring in more players than before. Presumably what they're unhappy about the announcement is that everyone figured out that it was going to cost you a dollar for a round. Yeah. So you get one (laughs) free match a day. This is what it says. And I quote, in retrospect, it was really obvious that one was not going to give us the whenever they say one, they mean the culling one. One was not going to give us the flow of players. But you have to remember, we were kind of terrified of everybody coming back, overloading the servers, costing us a ton of money (laughs) and not spending anything. So we were afraid to turn that dial. stupid can you okay this is your fourth attempt fourth attempt to make this game succeed and you're going to make it a pay to play model a pay to play it's it's, it wouldn't have been so bad if the first game had, had gone over reasonably well with the community but this you know it we were talking the other day, and we I think we mentioned this last week as well, but you get your first game for free, and every mm-hmm. subsequent game is basically a dollar unless you tie into a higher tier. It's like five games for $10. Well, no, but that wouldn't make sense. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and we were saying the other day, playing Call of Duty, I mean, if you paid a dollar, how absolutely pissed would you be if in your dollar you literally got about 30 seconds to a minute's worth of gameplay out yeah like if you died parachuting in to someone with a pistol how mad would you be if that was your game for the day and that was your dollar well spent but my big problem with this is if your model didn't work free to play if it was free to people and they did not play your game what why in the hell do you think people are going to pay money for matches and every month to play your game? It's it's just madness. And uh, as we said last week, it's just it's a disaster written all over it. And it, it isn't getting better anytime soon. I think they're going to find that with this new system, 
they're going to have... I honestly think, I mean, how big is the Battle Royale? Is it 100, 150 players? I'm not sure about the culling. I've never played it. If if it's less than, if it's less than, let's say, I'm going to be generous here and say, let's presume it's 50, although I suspect it is more than that. Even if it's 50, I still think you're going to struggle to get a match in this game. I can't see 50 people um, simultaneously across two, you know, two or three rounds playing this. I'd be surprised if the concurrent player count was higher than two, three hundred. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So moving on, uh, we have some news in regards to uh, AMD. I think we covered this in a uh, prior um, prior podcast, but uh, we had news that uh, with the launch of AMD's new uh, Ryzen four thousand, which this gets complicated because you get a lot of similar numbers and a lot of matching numbers, but long story short, AMD Ryzen 4000 is going to be moving to the Zen 3 platform. And we heard that this platform would only work on current motherboards. And by current, I mean the existing X570 and the very soon to be released uh, B550 platform. Uh, turns out that AMD has done either one of two things. It's either done a U-turn or it's found out how to make it work because uh, uh, Ryzen 450, B450, and X470 motherboards will support the latest Ryzen platform. So if you have an AMD B450 motherboard and you want to upgrade to Ryzen 4000, it looks like you are invited to the party. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you you clearly uh thank you for that uh valuable and uh very constructive input so yeah i mean it's, the main the main surprise is that initially amd said that it wouldn't and now they've said that it will so as i said it, it boils down to the fact that either they've decided to uh, rethink it or they've found a way to make it work but uh it's it's additional future compatibility which is nice for amd ryzen and as i've said in a prior podcast um, amd is really good at supporting its older motherboards um even the uh the first ryzen generation of motherboards still works on the latest um the latest third generation so it's really really good for that um and the good news is that if you do want to upgrade to the next series um it does look like uh does look like your motherboard will work i mean you can probably expect some give or take um uh in terms of its overall uh, performance and bells and whistles for example although ryzen uh does include uh will include rather um uh pci 4.0 support uh, as we saw in the third gen and in the fourth gen that isn't going to work on older motherboards so um the good news is though that if you do have older tech and you want to skip skip a generation which is what this would be you don't have to replace the motherboard um sticking with tech news we have a pretty quick and disposable one here it's a company that Hugh loves very much and that's oh. Huawei oh yeah so, I think Hugh even knows how to pronounce it, let alone who no they are. <laughs> um, long, a short version is that um, a lot of, with many countries around the world now looking to implement their 5G networking. One Huawei. second. Just so I know who this This is the people, the phone people who decided to use other like images from like, yep. okay. Okay, yeah, I remember yeah, this them. Is, this is the same company that has uh, been caught out three times in the past um, using images not taken on their phones, but kind of re- representing them and haven't been taken. Um, 
But uh, with 5G being rolled out around the world now, various countries are looking to get their networks in place. And with Huawei being one, pretty much the world leader for telecoms uh, equipment, um, the, the, the problem that all these uh, countries have is that they want to get 5G, but it's hard to do it without getting Huawei involved at some point. Now, America is taking a very firm line stance on this. Um, Donald Trump really does not want uh, Huawei to have any, any further involvement in their telecommunications. Uh, in the UK, we, we're kind of following America's suit here, but back in January, we said that we were going to not outright ban them, but we were going to put uh, very severe limitations as to um, how far their technology would be deployed. Um, I think it boiled down to two key points that uh, it wouldn't be allowed to be used in any um, overly sensitive part of the network and overall tech implementation can be any higher than 35%. Um, but with America taking it a, a step further in recent weeks, uh, we're looking at it again. and. Um, as I said, it, it's a bit of a, it's it's a really really complicated problem because at the moment a lot of major um, uh, phone companies, uh, companies such as Vodafone, for example, they extensively use Huawei in their networks, and f f even for them to just get it down to thirty five percent in the next three years, which is what they've been told, is really quite a significant workload. But more so. Um, it's it the matter isn't put to bed this is still going to continue being debated and um you know everyone you know 5g is quite restrictive anyway where you can get it particularly in the yeah. uk at the moment there's only about five or six cities in the whole country that that has a um a 5g network um but it's there just doesn't seem to be any trust. And if you're wondering why um there is this issue with huawei it's nothing actually specific it there it is it's it's a bit of a straw man argument, really, in the sense that there is absolutely nothing within their technology to suggest that there are any security concerns, which is what this all boils down to. The major concern is that if we ever did um, fall out with China or go to war with them, that China is installing kind of backdoor security systems in this networking software that would essentially allow them to uh, spy on it, monitor it, or even just completely shut it down with the a flick of a switch in Beijing. So. Um, there is absolutely nothing substantive to back that up, but that is the fear. Um, so it, it's it's a debate that's going to carry on for months and months and months. But um, yeah. it, as I said right at the start, though, the biggest problem is is that there are very few telecoms companies as big as Huawei that has the technology available to just throw it straight out there. Uh, moving on, another quick and easy one, Bayonetta 3. As you may be aware in the past, Bayonetta games have initially released as um, Nintendo exclusive. Bayonetta 1 released on the, uh, was it the Wii U? Or the Wii? You... I think it was the original Wii. Anyway. I think it was the Wii. Yeah, and then Bayonetta 2 released initially as an exclusive on the Wii U. And um, Bayonetta 3 was announced in 2017, and there has been very little heard about this game since. And um, the the franchise has uh, spiked in popularity, particularly since um, the games were um, broke ex exclusivity and uh, were released on consoles. Um, uh, I think you can pretty much play Bayonetta 1 and 2 on, on the Xbox One or the PS4 now uh, without any problems. Uh, but... Um, it seems that uh, with all this self-isolation and people having nothing better to do on their hands, they've been bugging the uh, creator of the series, uh, designing the game, asking him if the game has been cancelled. 
And uh, he went on Twitter earlier this week basically just to say, Bayonetta 3 has not been cancelled. Stop asking me. It was as simple as that. And yeah, you can get his annoyance and frustration, but looking at it from the other side of the argument, the problem that many people have is that since this game was originally announced in 2017, we have seen literally nothing of the game since. And it has led, it's the primary factor in what's making people think this has been cancelled. The good news is it hasn't, but it is is on the way. But um, as for when it'll happen, that's... This seems to be a problem we've been having with a lot of games these days i think all all bayonetta 3 needs to do is to just release something new even if it's just a 30 second long teaser trailer just to shut everyone up but uh, yeah if you are looking forward to it uh, i can understand your frustrations in the fact that it's been two years and we three years and we've seen absolutely nothing new since but uh Hey, look at Cyberpunk 2077. That was initially announced back in 2013, 2014. I really do think they announce games a lot too early these days. Sometimes developers feel forced to, though. Um, I, I can't remember the exact example, but... Uh, oh, that was it. Um, it. It came to me and then went. Um, uh, the new um, Elder Scrolls game, Elder Scrolls Six. Even uh, Bethesda said that they only announced that based on the pressure, and even they admit that they've announced it way too soon. Because even that that game isn't going to release for at least two to three years from now. So, um, yeah, there's sometimes just community pressure just seems to force, and sometimes I think it's just convenient. If you've got E3 or a big trade show coming around and you've got literally nothing at least you may be able to throw the community a bone by teasing something that may not even be releasing for years. But uh, Bayonetta 3 is on the way. Stop asking. Sticking with gaming. <laughs> um, this is this is a, uh, a really, really ridiculous one. I know Hugh probably doesn't have much interest in the uh, football manager games, but they're certainly popular in countries, that, that you know, particularly in Europe, that do enjoy um, uh, management simulation games. Manchester United, arguably one of the biggest clubs in the world, is suing Sports Interactive and Sega, or at least they're thinking about suing them. Why are they suing them? It's really, really stupid. Um, as you can imagine, um, particularly when it comes to top top level clubs in, in uh, particularly in countries such as the UK, Italy, Germany, that have some of the biggest football leagues in the world. Um, Although uh, the game replicates the club's players, names and stadiums, etc., it doesn't choose to use the club's logo. And that's basically because if they did, they'd have to pay the licensing fee to use it. Um, What's happened here with Manchester United here, though, is that they um, have basically said to Sports Interactive, we want you to pay to use our logo. And the way the game works is that it basically just randomly generates a logo based off of 14 different designs, be it a circle, a triangle, a square, whatever. And then yeah. it's, um, and all, all it does is apply the primary color associated to the club. Um but Man United isn't happy with that, and they're, what they're basically saying is that they're um, the randomly generated designs are infringing on their copyright logo, and instead they'd rather they just use the logo, the official one. Now I'm sure Sports Interactive, the developer of the game, would say, "Fine, give us permission to use your logo, and we'll use it." But this isn't how this is working. What Manchester United want is for Sports Interactive to pay them for the use of the official logo, and if this goes further down the road, then we could see an instance where 
um, Man United just completely withdraws itself from the game. And we get a situation like in uh, FIFA 20 where Juventus isn't in the game. They're called uh, Pierre Monte or, you know, we've seen this in the past with a lot of games where they yeah. can't use official names. So they, they, they work around it, basically. I believe um, this happened in like um, why EA Sports doesn't put out college basketball and football games here anymore, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the licensing on that has got absolutely uh, ridiculous. So, um, uh, I mean, it gets even more ridiculous when you think, though, that this isn't this isn't something new in their latest management game. I mean, football management games. I mean, it started back in 1992. It turned in. It was Championship Manager. Basically, that turned into Football Manager around 2006, and they've been doing this pretty much for nearly 30 years now. Um. And the football club hasn't had any problem with it, apparently, until now. Um, it gets even more ridiculous, though, when you when you hear that Sports Interactive have said that they regularly each year send the club um, about a half dozen, dozen copies of the games for their uh, staff and, and, you know, whatnot. And they've only ever received positive feedback about it. So I... I Idiots. I can't see, <laughs> yeah, I can't see this going on for too long. And if if anyone with a modicum of sense exists at that football club they'll just very quietly drop this and just let things carry on because um it could get very messy and at the the end of the day if sports interactive did just say right we're just going to cut you from the game the community behind them because it's just because over the fact that man united want them to use their official logo uh but i said but paying for the use of that logo would make it absolutely counterproductive so because they don't even use the logo. No. Why would they, they want use- to pay for it? Exactly. And, How and can you sue is- somebody that's not using it? We want them to use our logo, so we're suing them, so they'll have to use our logo. That makes no that's, freaking sense. That's, that's the whole matter used <laughs> in an absolute nutshell. So, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Um, Moving on. Uh, Hugh, would you like a new job? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> what are you offering? Well, as as an American, you qualify as a new job that NASA has put online. And what they are basically looking for is people to volunteer to spend around eight months in mostly self-isolation. What is this for, I hear you ask? Well, NASA... Are we all just doing that already, right now? Well, <laughs> a lot of people are seemingly getting very well trained at it, but... um. What NASA is hoping to do in the uh, not hopefully not too distant future is uh, travel to Mars. I mean, we have already heard rumors that we can expect a moon landing within the next four years, which which would be pretty amazing if it does happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, part of the problem in going to Mars is that uh, a it's going to take us a fair amount of time to get there, and uh, b if we do get there, then you know it, it's what what we do when we get there. But they're basically looking for volunteers in america i think you have to be between 30 and 45 which i think just rules a little baby face hewer there out but um uh what they're basically looking to do is to get about six volunteers put them through tests training whatever and then just basically just stick them in a dome somewhere in russia for eight months and just see how it how it affects them physically psychologically whilst they've got jobs it will be with other people but as i understand it you will be subjected to extended periods of being by yourself. 
Um, and obviously that can have quite a significant mental fen- uh, mental effect over a long period of time. So, um, but being that you're working for NASA, I don't know if it, how well paying a job it is, but you don't need any specific qualifications beyond the fact of being an American in reasonably good health and between 30 and 45. So if you want to apply for that, get on their website. Um, it could be interesting, could probably be very challenging at certain oh, points. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I dare say it's not going to be a bad paying gig for basically just being sat in a bubble for eight months and given a few VR things to do. Uh, but, yeah, if you want to apply, check out NASA's website. Uh, back to gaming. And uh, this is a subject very close to uh, human mind hearts, and that is Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Now, anyone who regularly plays the game will have noticed that around a week ago we got a new patch another new 30 gigabyte patch which has yes. put the game's file size i mean on my pc it's about 186 gigabytes i think it's slightly higher on console but anyway we're basically looking at one game now that takes up about 200 gigabytes of storage which is crazy it, it, <laughs> it is crazy particularly if you if you're an owner of um one of the earlier playstations that only had 500 500 gigabyte drives half your, that is ha- over half your your hard drive uh pc owners as well who have installed the game because they want it to run quickly on their solid state drives and um you know most of those only average about 250 gigabytes these days and that one game can pretty much it's getting close to swallowing up a whole drive now um and Activision have been uh, in well, uh, Activision more Infinity Ward have been uh, receiving a lot of criticism about this, basically saying that you know we're very grateful for the new content, but you know Jesus, is there anything we can do about this file size that is starting to get increasingly more ridiculous? And Infinity Ward have issued a response, but it, it's it's not bad for console on owners not so great for pc owners what they've basically said is that yes they, they firstly they acknowledge that the file size is starting to get ridiculously high on the downside they do say that this isn't probably this probably isn't going to get any better as they keep adding more and more content to the game and um and let's face it with the uh, battle royale warzone being free to play they are going to be continually updating that as the for, for at least the next year or two um, the only positive factors are that they said that they um, have or are going to. I don't know whether this has um, already been applied, but uh, console users will be given the option to uninstall parts of the game that they don't use. So if they're done with a single player campaign, they can uninstall that from their hard drive. That that in itself would probably free up um, uh, 50 to 60 gig. Uh, same with the uh, multiplayer if you don't play that you can you know if you only do warzone you can remove the uh, generic aspect of the multiplayer that i don't expect would have too much of an impact um so yeah there are ways console users can look to um trim the uh installation side not to mention the co-op the co-op section yeah uh, but it looks like PC owners have just got to suck it up. Um, for reasons I can't determine, they haven't introduced that feature to the PC version yet. And if they did, in all honesty, I've played. I've, I'm long done with a single player campaign, so they could remove that off my version, and I wouldn't care. Um, so yeah, if you are getting worried about your file size increasing, just have a look in your um 
in your file settings on your PlayStation or your Xbox, you may be able to remove certain aspects of the game to free up more space. But PC owners, if your hard drive's starting to fill up, then you, you are definitely going to need to start looking at moving the game to a, another larger location or just removing other games off that drive. It, this is pretty much bordering on being a one drive game at the moment (laughs) yeah it's crazy not not to say that the game has plenty of content it it is is a very it is is a good game if you want content before it to be that big it's just crazy yeah it 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 really does need to start giving the users the option to chop and change what they want and what they don't want i mean a, a lot of the criticism of well uh, particularly with the pc version is that it has all the texture packs from uh the the 720p version all the way up to 4k and if you don't game at 4k you don't need the 4k texture packs so yeah. why mandate that they have to be installed um but yeah i mean it, it's it's getting worrying and you know i even me myself i have this game installed on one of my solid state drives and i am probably two more 30 if there are two more 30 gig patches i am pushing that drive to its absolute limit so um hopefully hopefully future patches are going to be a little bit more benign um getting back to it as talking about the textures as well one of the biggest criticisms of um call of duty is that the texture files aren't compressed either um, now, well, I, I don't think I don't think that they do that with a lot of their uh, a lot of it these days, man. Because I remember, like on the PS3, like you would get a game, and you know, like The Last of Us one was on there, and it was nowhere near the size of these games, and it looked just as good, and. I don't well, think that they do a good job of compressing their files well, they, these days. They don't. That's the thing with Modern Warfare. The the, the uh, texture files aren't compressed at all. Uh, it is crazy. And while some would say that they haven't compressed them to make them run a bit quicker, because obviously they don't need to be uncompressed to run, a lot of people just say that it, it's just laziness on the part of the developers. They don't compress them because that would require additional work to make sure that they uncompressed quickly. Um they may do it, but as I said, if if this game is starting to eat up um, sections of your, you know, a massive chunk of your storage, if you have a console, have a look in the options. You may be able to trim it down a bit. PC users, if, if your drive is on the verge of filling up, you you need to start doing some housekeeping. Because if just think, if you had like if you had like a five hundred gigabyte PS4, right, and mm. you had call of duty right now and then like red dead redemption 2 on it i was just gonna say red dead redemption those two games would fill up your hard drive and you may not even have the space to install both of those on a on a 500 gig model because about 80 to 90 gig is taken up just for the playstation app stuff yeah and then you got save files on top of that then you know save files themselves they don't take up masses of memory but if you've got about a dozen games with about three or four individual saves on them before you know it, that can be close to, you know, 500 megabytes a gigabyte. It's so. Yeah, it's crazy. It ain't ain't looking good, Um, but I'm very grateful for the additional content that they do release. Although most of it is just recycled garbage, Activision. Um, But, you know, it's it's the, the storage size is getting a bit ridiculous. And I think they do need to think about releasing a patch that just does look to um, trim it down a little bit. Moving on. Um, incidentally, it's a very, very, it's 
it's on topic but off topic pac-man is 40 years old today so happy birthday to and Pac-Man. they have a like on the if you play on the place i don't know about other players but if you play on the playstation you can get pac-man and mrs pac-man for like four bucks right now so go jump that on that bargain. um in something rather interesting revealed by NVIDIA, though, um, they have just released a video uh, that is really, really fascinating, showing how one of their AI systems, I think it's called the GameGan AI, has been able to completely recreate Pac-Man with only two pieces of information. A, by watching the game being played, and B, by being told what controls are being inputted at the time. It has been given no code. It's been told absolutely nothing about the game. But from that, the AI has been able to create its own version of the game. And that is, based on just those two pieces of information, that is absolutely remarkable. Do you think that the, the NVIDIA AI will get like the, um, the world record for Pac-Man and then it get it stripped away from them? um no it's because somebody's already done that (laughs) um but it it really is it really is fascinating that it's been capable of doing this with just those two very restrictive pieces of information i mean you could tell uh, you could tell an ai to extrapolate um you know a game's creation but even then you would you would have to feed it a lot more information than that for it to come up with any kind of conclusive let alone a conclusive result that actually works as a playable game and um apparently nvidia at some point over the next few weeks is going to release a uh, version of that game that the ai created just so you can try it out for yourself and um, obviously they'll want to um let the ai um polish it off a little bit first because it isn't perfect as i understand it the ghosts don't necessarily chase pac-man they more kind of follow where he's going and if you get caught by a ghost it's mostly down to a uh, deliberate error by the user rather than the ai and you know having programmed it you know an ai ai programming an ai to be cleverer <laughs> uh but uh, that's the mouthful that, <laughs> Should be should be released in the next few weeks. So if you want to check that out, that does look to be a lot of fun. Right, Hugh. Yes. We have a PUBG update. We do have a PUBG update. So, so what's new? Well, they're adding in bots. So that's I don't know if that's particularly a good thing. Is it bots to make up the numbers, or is it bots um, as a separate game mode? No, bots to make up the numbers. Um, so I guess that would be saying that maybe their player base is not as big as they used to. People are probably experiencing like really long wait times to get in the games. Uh, so they're doing this to uh, to um, fill out the matches so people can get in faster. They're you know, the usual weapon balances, stuff like that. The biggest thing is they're adding in bots. Okay, yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, getting back to Modern Warfare, one of the one of the more frustrating, at least for me, one of the more frustrating aspects of a Warzone is, um, is the wait. It's not the playing the game. Even if you die within a few minutes, I don't mind. It's it's the two, three minutes it takes to get into a lobby. Then you've got the, the waiting period while the lobby fills up. And while they've put that shooting uh, business in the lobby, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd much prefer to opt out of that rather than just, you know, 
taking competitive part in a completely non-competitive aspect of the game. But um, wait, I think, wait, hold up. So I take that back. Maybe they are doing it kind of like, um, the mobile version does. Uh, Because I don't know if you've ever played the mobile version, but in the mobile version in uh, earlier stages, whenever you're a newer player, they put you against bots so you can somewhat learn the game and they start weeding them out more and more as you continue to play. Um, So I think that's what they're doing. They're also added a ranked mode, which will uh, put you against 64 no, put you against 63 other players, um, and I'm guessing you'll try to um, reach a rank, so it'll probably be like Apex Legends, how they have their, their ranked mode. Ranked mode could be good, just from the point of view of separating those who are godlike at the game from people like me who um, are just completely awful at it. Um, so that that could be good if it, it doesn't in, in apply... Um, apply a system that just separates those people and gives you something to aspire to i mean in fairness with PUBG, i think a lot of the uh the hype for the game has gone now See, this um, is what i like though about these type of games so in PUBG, right you can go into a regular match and you get put against people on a wide spectrum right mm. you get put against people you could get put against the worst person in the world or you could get put against the best person in the world it can happen right and then you have ranked mode which essentially puts you into these tiers where from the worst people are going to get put together to the best people are going to be put together i like this system more than something like call of duty does where it's like hey you could be you're, this person on your team may not be as good as this person on your team, but we're going to put you against people that are good as the best person on your team. So then how is it fun? It ta- to me, it takes out the fun of it because if you're always get put, getting put against people that's your skill level, it takes the fun away eventually because you just are get playing against people who are essentially tryhards eventually if you're if you're yeah. really good. Yeah, so uh, you know, as I said, I, I think a lot of the uh, a lot of the enthusiasm for PUBG has died down a lot. But uh, this this will hopefully keep things better for the people that are sticking around with it. And don't get me wrong; there's still plenty of people playing PUBG. But PUBG uh, is a really it, good game. It it is when you when you're not driving somebody around in a boat and they just jump out and get killed within about a minute because they didn't listen to you, Hugh. Hey, you said you you got disconnected and said in the field, so I don't want to hear. That is true. Um, right, moving on because uh, we're getting there slowly but surely. Um, it's another uh, a bit of a shocking news in the realms of uh, hardware and uh, hardware names and companies. The Linux creator, or Linux, the operate the free operating system, as uh, many of you are probably aware, the creator of it, um, what's his name again? Torvald, I think. Uh, it's going to come to me in a second. Linus Torvalds, he has officially announced that he is switching from Intel to AMD Threadripper. 
he represents probably he is on the first to make the switch um i mean if we're getting into the really huge names on youtube um uh, linus text uh, tech tips he uh, recently revealed that after being an intel uh, fanboy for many years he was switching over to amd and um yep the creator or at least one of the primary creators of the uh, linux operating system has now said that he is moving on to AMD Threadripper, and he's already noticed that it's about three times faster than his old Intel. So uh, it's another big scalp for AMD, and it's just more proof that the AMD Ryzen platform is just getting more and more new customers, such as our little Hugh over there. From what from what I can look, I'm not, I, I never claim to be a just completely uh, smart about anything that has to do with the insides of a computer. But from what I've heard from the news that we cover here and have over the past few weeks, AMD is taking over, man. <laughs> they really are. They, uh, are. they certainly are in regards to processors. Uh, graphics cards are still uh, way, way behind NVIDIA. Yeah. But, um, it only, as we saw when Ryzen came out in 2017, though, it only takes one release and the landscape can just change completely. And, um, I think we've covered this in a prior podcast before, but um, at the prior to the release of Ryzen, AMD's market share in terms of consumer PCs, gamers like you or me, was ridiculously low. It was something like 15%. Um, in just three years, though, that figure is already up to about 38 40%. And I think before the end of this year, it's going to be a fifty, pretty much a 50-50 split between AMD and Intel. And we haven't seen figures like that for nearly 20 years the last time amd was in this kind of position was back in the early 2000s when they started they started making a series of of bad decisions in regards to their designs uh but uh yeah amd is very thoroughly on top and they've certainly claimed another big scalp here with um with uh linus torvalds yeah i think this is gonna continue to happen too yeah, it is, in all honesty. Nobody, despite Comet Lake S being out now, and it's not quite the dumpster fire I thought it was going to be, um, uh, but um, it, it hasn't exactly uh, set the, uh, metaphorically, the world on fire yet. Um, <laughs> I say metaphorically because there were a lot of rumors that um, the processors were exceedingly hot, and uh, while it does seem that they do require a lot of power, um, it, it seems the temperatures are going to be a little higher than what most Intel users will expect, but there's certainly um, nothing towards the realms of a uh, terrible. Um, but um, cause stick so, with the AMD news, oh, and I'm go just going to throw this. Yeah, I'm just going to throw this one in there quickly. Um, it looks like uh, AMD Ryzen is also going to offer something they've never done before, and they are going to refresh their 3000 series. So. Um, the 3600, uh, 3700, 38, 39, etc., are all going to get a refreshed release in the next month, and that is going to fall under nice. the XT, XT branding. Now, if you're familiar with your graphics cards, uh, AMD has used XT before um, in their graphics cards, the most recent ones, most notably being the 5600 and the 5700, both of which got uh, were base models that got a faster XT version. And it seems that this is something that AMD wants to develop with their brand now. So they're going to release basically slightly faster versions of their base processors coming with the, let's say, for example, the, the 5700 XT. Um, 
In terms of speeds, I mean, uh, core and thread count is exactly the same. It's speculated that in terms of speeds, we can expect to see about 200 to 300 megahertz over the original model. So we're only probably talking in terms of difference about 5 to 10% faster, if that. But um, it seems that these, when these refreshes are released, we're also going to see um, a, a price drop. And and I'm, I'm going to be honest, this is all just in response to Intel's Comet Lake S. Um, yeah. Early leak benchmarks have suggested that the new Intel's new processor may have about a five to ten percent advantage in gaming, whereas in, uh, AMD just completely blows it out of the water in terms of um, uh, what you might call more physical labor for a processor, things like video rendering, stuff like that. The, yeah. the additional the additional cores just give AMD an absolutely colossal advantage in that aspect. But on the whole, as things stand, Intel Comet Lake S is about on par with AMD Ryzen 3000. Um, but AMD is hoping that this little boost might just tip things in their favor, particularly if they if they do come with a price drop. Um, we've already seen uh, the Ryzen 3900X get a pretty huge price drop, actually. That's available at the moment for about... $420 and that was about $500 about a week or two ago so you know they're, already, they're knocking about a, no they're, they're knocking about $100 off their really top tier stuff and we can expect that to probably trickle down obviously the, the price cut will get lower the, the, the more entry level end of the scale you get uh, but if you were in the market for something like a, a Ryzen 3600 you can probably expect to see the price of that drop by about $20, $20-$30 over the next three or four weeks so um, not not bad if you're looking to make an upgrade. Right, what were you going to say, Hugh, before so, I uh, interrupt So, you? just to knock out a few things, this is, this is going to be real fast, just to knock out a couple things. So, for anyone out there who is looking to play Valorant, and you sat in your in, in Twitch streams for thousands and thousands of hours and never got a drop, you're in luck, because That's I not. believe... By when this video comes out, you only have three days left until everybody gets to play the game. So on June 2nd, you can play Valorant. Yay. Uh, one more quick one that we can go over is uh, if anybody has been interested in Fantasy Star Online 2 and you are not an Xbox player, uh, by the time this comes out, it will already be out. So go download that. It'll be out on May 27th. Fantasy Star 2 online. Yeah. It's a fr- yeah. Franchise with a really, really solid fan base there. So a lot of people I'm, will be I'm very excited to play it. I've been looking forward to it. Sticking uh, to just do it while we're in doing the, uh, the quick and disposable news, uh, sticking with the JRPG theme. Um, for those of you who've um, always looked at Final Fantasy XIV and been on the fence whether you want to give it a try, if you own a PlayStation 4, you can claim a copy of the Starter Edition now for absolutely free. Um, I should say free, because uh, uh, as many of you are probably already going to correct me, this is a um, su- subscription-based game, a bit like World yep. of Warcraft uh, and things of that nature. But if you claim this copy on the PS4 now, you that does come with a 30-day free trial. So in Does effect, it come with a 30 free... It doesn't come with the 30 days for people who already own the game, though, right? No, no. if you already own the game, you can't use this to kind of sneak your way to get a month for free. This is for new people to the game 
but you get 30 days free. And if you've never tried it, you never played it. You can consider this a 30 day rental. Basically, you get you get access to the game. And let's be honest, for a game of this size and scope, you're not going to do even probably a, uh, probably even three percent of the game within those 30 days. If you if you smash you could probably, the you could probably knock out. If you play, if you play a decent amount every day, you probably knock out the 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 base story. Maybe, if as you say, I think you would have to pump a lot of hours into. I, I think you. It's, you have a, it's a really good game. I, I put it a lot excellent. of time in it. It's it's a decent game. I, I I enjoyed it. The only thing that really kind of killed me in the end was play paying the the money every month, but yeah. And it's the same thing that happens to everyone, and it, 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 all games come to that point of whether you have to decide whether you're what what you're paying in your monthly subscription is worth what you're getting out of it. Um, I I used to play World of Warcraft quite a lot, and I haven't really touched that game now for five or six years, um, just because I couldn't warrant spending um spending. It was about ten dollars a month. Uh, well, it used to be about five. Uh, it used to be about seven, eight dollars a month, and they upped it to ten dollars, and then I really wasn't interested. Um. But just, uh, funny enough, we can actually use that as a segue to move into another quick bit of disposable news regarding subscriptions. Netflix has announced if you have an active subscription, but you are not actively using it, they are going to terminate it for you. Um, that's rather a dramatic way of wording it, but it's actually quite a, a nice move by the company. What they're basically saying is that, uh, and particularly in this day and age, all of us have probably at least half a dozen uh, direct debits coming out of our account for one thing or another, be it Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, our TV, phone bill, uh, cell phone package, whatever. We all have a lot of things being automatically paid from our accounts that we we just don't pay attention to. And what Netflix is basically saying is that if you have been subscribed to their TV streaming platform for over a year, but you haven't used it, they're going to drop you a little warning email, basically just saying, hey, you've been paying us, you know, $7 a month and you haven't been using it. If you if and if it carries on after another couple of months, they'll just automatically terminate the account. Um, I think I think it's, that's that's it's actually of, pretty nice of a company of this is. size because you would not get that from most of them. No, I mean uh, my TV package. I mean I used to be on a deal. Um, I paid about uh, twenty uh, twenty five thirty dollars a month, and when that deal expired my bill automatically got just jumped up to about $90. And uh, mm-hmm. it was, I, I didn't even notice it until the second month. And this is kind of what they're trying to tie into. It's the fact that we have so much coming out of our account that unless you're, you know, we don't have, I don't know, it, uh, the days of getting physical statements from your bank every month show it so you can have a look at what's going in and out of your account are long gone. And I don't pay much. I, I do do uh, online banking, but I'm not there looking at, my transactions every other day just because i know that the way bank accounts work now is completely different it is they are almost designed to have a steady stream of money coming in and out to various people uh but yeah it's a really nice uh move uh, from netflix and uh you know for those for those people who have signed up for a subscription and have just completely forgotten about it you know you're going to find yourself about 10 bucks a month richer which you know every little helps Money is money. Money is money. 
Um, another quick one, um, just covering a um, topic. I think we covered it in episode uh, two of the uh, podcast, but uh, we were talking how Magic Leap, uh, the AR augmented reality headset developer, was uh, laying off a whole bunch of staff and had basically was undergoing restructuring. And yep. it was a thing I've had absolutely nothing to back it up. Even now, I, I don't know this for certain, but it, my theory was that they were running out of money big time, despite having received over a billion dollar in inv- billion dollars in investment. We all know when it comes to tech companies how quickly that even that level of can be eaten up if you're developing five or six different projects at once and none of them are making money by the way uh but we've had at least some good news for the people who work there magic leap has confirmed that they've managed to raise another 350 million dollars of external investment so um anyone who hadn't been laid off but was on the chopping block has got a respite their job is safe um the, the the short version with this one is, though, that Magic Leap needs to just pump this money primarily into getting Magic Leap 2 developed, and they need to find yeah, a way they need to, to get it out and, and yeah. Because uh, the Magic Leap 1 that released uh, late last year, that, that, that AR headset, it was pretty amazing, but it cost $2,500. It was just completely unachievable for the vast majority of people. Yeah. Um, so if they do push with the Magic Leap 2, I am hoping... Um, if they're to make a success of it, I think it has to retail for less than five hundred dollars, and um, and they need to get some more people on board to make some stuff for it too. They do, they do, because um, it's the money is not going to last forever. And just call me crazy, but I can't help but feeling that in in about a year or so's time, we're just going to be telling you that uh, Magic Leap has been sold and bought by Google or Microsoft. Um, it's it. it it's looking increasingly unlikely, even with this investment, they're going to be able to maintain themselves as an independent company. It just seems sooner or later the the, the financial shit is going to hit the fan and and they're going to have to sell. And that would be sad because they really are trying to do something innovative and um, they just need to make something that's marketable. Innovative Innovation is good, but marketability is much better. Yeah. Um, Moving on, similar kind of subject. The Oculus Quest is available to order again. It is, but the bad news is you won't get you it until now, July. Get it. No, no. <laughs> if you order it now, you will not actually receive yours until July. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of what we've been talking about the last few weeks with like the Switch and everything. It's just getting harder for these people to manufacture these things. Yeah, it's. It, it's a tricky one, but you know, if you have been desperate to get one of these, you might want to get your pre-order in now because at least that way you know that you'll at least have one for July. Um, Hugh, you've uh, mentioned to me about Amazon releasing a free-to-play multiplayer game. Do you want to tell us about it? Because I'm going to be honest, I know absolutely nothing about it. They have released a free-to-play multiplayer game that is called Crucible. Um, I've played it. I downloaded and played it for about an hour or two the other day um it's really fun it's it's a moba uh, but it's more like a. have you ever heard of smite like yeah, smite yeah, smart. like how smite works it's more like that but okay. it's not like a three lane type of moba it's like uh, it's hard to explain you uh you you go in and you level your characters up it's like a third person like i said like smite kind of 
You go, well, I would um, compare it more to um, what was that freaking uh, MOBA called? Dota. Huh? Dota. Dota 2? No. Um, it was on the... No. <laughs> I can't think of the name of it. It, it, it got cancelled. Um, it was by the people who I think made like made Fortnite, I believe. Epic Games. Yeah, I think it was by them. I would not be surprised if they did consider getting into that market. I can't um, remember the name of it, but it got anyways, it got canceled. It's kinda like that and um it's uh they have different game modes. They have like a two person team one, an eight person team one, and a four person team one. The one I played was the four v four one. You go in with your team, you uh essentially there are these big boss things that spawn um you try to kill them and after that you try to capture their heart and the first one to capture three hearts wins the re- okay. where the moba part comes in is you have to kill like monsters and uh, capture objectives around the map to level your character up essentially and get okay. n- new uh boost to your skills it's fun okay, though. Well, I enjoy it. Do you think it is going to be a Dota Smite League of Legends killer? Do you think it is going to be able to compete, or do you think it's just going to get I, swallowed up? I think it's. I think it's. It's. It's unique enough to have a place of its own. Okay. Whether, where, of course, whether it will or not, it remains to be seen. But, yeah, um, yeah, that, I, I, I can take that description on board. Um, because there's, there's always room for another one. It's you know, and it uh, entering the market doesn't mean you have to be the best at it. If you know, sometimes just offering something different is enough to get to get the community you need. Yeah. Um. Right. Uh, we also have one here that uh, Hughes found. I did see this myself earlier in the week. But we have our very first 8 terabyte M.2 solid state drive. And um, for those of you familiar with um, hardware and particularly storage, you'll know that having an 8 terabyte M.2 drive is obscenely huge. I think at the moment, the largest you can commercially buy are about two to two terabytes, maybe three terabytes. They are, you know, they are not. Even then, M.2 drives of that capacity are uh, you're, you're into the hundreds of dollars rather than, you know, you can maybe pick up a cheap M.2 drive for around $100, maybe a little bit less if you find one in the sale. But um, the, the moment you start getting into large capacities, you know, that, the price really starts to ramp up. So uh, uh, an 8 terabyte one could certainly be interesting because we know for a fact that at least the PlayStation 5 is going to have an M.2 expansion drive rather than the... Um, what most people have now with the external hard drive connected to the PS4, the M- the uh, PS5 is going to have an expansion drive on an M.2 drive, and um, you know you can fit plenty of games on eight terabytes. Crikey! Oh I yeah, people, <laughs> I don't I think, think I could... could put their entire Steam library on that. Yeah, I don't think I could uh, ever put all my games on an eight terabyte. But um, being M.2, it's going to be obscenely fast, even by um, traditional three and a half inch solid state drive um, speed. So uh, it's certainly something to bear in mind for the uh, as uh, I I have not looked at the price, but um, I dare say it is going to be ridiculously expensive. If it's anything less than five hundred dollars, I'd be surprised. Let's have a just have a quick look on the uh, 
does it cite any how much they're going to cut? Uh, Five hundred and nineteen dollars. There you go, and that's that's on a four terabyte um, drive. So that a four terabyte is currently about five hundred dollars. So, um, so you're probably uh, looking uh, at almost a thousand dollars for this. Probably a thousand dollars for this when it when it releases. But um, there will be people that buy it because that is a ridiculous amount of storage that will last you a very very long time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's see what else have we got. We're getting more into the tail end of things now. Um, you've uh, linked one here up, Sirius Sam Four. So they announced a lot of enemies on the screen. Have you apparently. played Sirius Sam Four? Yeah, uh, I played a few of the older ones. Not not particularly uh, a lot of it though. I I know the general basis. Yeah, of that it's kind of like. Work like a doom type game you know just go in it's, you shoot it's stuff. Like doom, doom meets borderlands really in, in a kind of doom borderlands duke nukem kind of mashup so they announced the game i believe last week maybe yeah yeah a little over a week ago um here, here's a direct quote from them this is one of the systems we've actually developed for serious sam 4 he explains, we have some levels that will actually be able to populate with this many enemies. We're really pleasantly surprised with how fast it could run because originally we were hoping for like 10,000 enemies and now we've hit an order of magnitude more. So they're going to, they're essentially trying to throw as many enemies in this game as they can at once. So yeah, putting a thousand, a hundred thousand enemies on your screen Oh, <laughs> that's, that's going to put a lot of work on your processor and graphics card if they are all individual. It depends what kind of form they take. I mean, it, it, when I, I guess when it depends I, on how they optimize it. When I read this, I remember um, a throwback to a um, it's it's not an obscure franchise, but it was a bit of an obscure game for the PC, and it was a uh, PC port of um, Starship Troopers, which, uh, by the way, I think is a really excellent film. Um, uh, not the sequels, just the original. Um, but I, I vaguely recall when Starship Troopers came out for the PC, and this would have been in the early 2000s. Um, there was a lot of hype surrounding um, that game and how many enemies they could place on the uh, screen at the same time. And uh, it kind of worked, but the, it certainly um, it needed a, a very, very beefy PC to run at the highest spec. Uh, um, could they get 100,000 enemies on the screen at one time? Probably, but with some limitations. I can't help but feel that after a certain distance, frame rates would have to be capped, probably at 20 or 30 FPS. Um, yeah, and also, the game will yeah. be coming out in August. <laughs> so. um, I I would be very surprised if they did manage to get 100,000 enemies on the screen at one time, unless those 100,000 enemies were... They they worked around it somehow to make them appear a little bit cruder, or at least crude from a, after a particular distance. It's it's kind of like uh, what Resident Evil the Resident Evil remakes did. If the zombies are outside of a certain range, they will be limit. They will have their frame rates limited just so that they don't drag the overall performance down. Um, so we'll see what comes of that. Um, moving on, you've put another one here for Terraria. 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 Have you ever played Terraria? A little bit, yes. Okay, so Terraria released their final... The, the, the team put their final update out um, like a week ago, I believe. 
Yeah, so, I had heard that they yeah. completed, they'd absolutely finished the game. They were going to move on to new new So one point four came out probably like somewhat of a week ago, uh, called Journeys In. That is the last update that the developers of the game will put out. But Terraria has added a mod loader and have handed have said that they're handing the keys over to the fans. So now you'll now there will just be all kinds of crazy stuff in Terraria because people are just they've been given the keys to essentially make whatever they want for the game. And, and good for the developers too. If they've they've finished the game, if they if they've concluded work on it, then it it's it seems very fair of them that they should uh, uh yeah. pass, pass on pass on all the information modders could possibly need to take it to a, another level. And, and let's face it, modders will take it to another level. Yeah. Um, that's what that's what the mod, modding community does. It it puts things in games that the developers either didn't or couldn't. Um, and yeah, I, I quite enjoy, I quite enjoy uh, Terraria. It's it's a little um. Um, it's a little, and uh, I'm not comparing the two, but it's a little like Minecraft in, in so much as that the more time you invest in it, the more the more you get out of it. Um, but it's uh, I've always what personally, I've always what personally, say, I don't think it's a game that overly suits casuals. You can play it casually, but I think it's one of these games that the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. I've always just, I've always personally liked Terraria more than Minecraft. I've never been a huge fan of Minecraft, and I understand why a lot of people do really yeah. love it. But it it just never overly appealed to me. Um, uh, and don't I love the building aspect of the game, but invariably, all that I ever seem to do in the game is I'll just build a mud hut and just fight off the creepers at night. Um, and I know there's I know you can play it in sandbox mode, but I think that's kind of against the ethos of the game itself if that makes any sense i think you should play minecraft as for one of a better expression as a survival horror that's the fun of minecraft it's finding new things and may building new things and you know making your creation Uh, good job Um, good job to the people over to make terraria i'm not 100 sure too sure who it is but thanks for doing that that's really cool and we're uh going to wrap things up now but we're going to wrap it off with a good one um with all this uh coronavirus and covid19 we have seen a uh, pretty big spike in esports and uh, although esports has always been popular what we are seeing is um physical sporting events being replaced by online version of versions of them and um uh, we've seen a particular boost recently, particularly in uh, motor racing. Um, there are a lot of um, Formula One Grand Prix have been held virtually online. Now, these, of course, do not have any bearing on the actual uh, sporting, physical sporting events. But yeah. we've seen a lot of Formula One. Um, the uh, Le Mans 24-hour race is uh, due to be live, um, to, due to be held as a, a live um, gaming event. Um, and uh, we've seen a lot of it. And um, don't let that thing. And one of the key highlights as well. Sorry, just to come back to the why it's getting popular is the fact that it's not just using obscure names that you've never heard of from the esports community. They're also getting yeah. professional sportsmen to participate in it. Um, for example, in the in the F1, it's about a fifty-fifty split of um, YouTubers, uh, professional uh, esports drivers, and actual motor racers. You know, and it's for just fun to see how how they all do. And I have to say, th- th- this is. Perhaps the most surprising thing of all is that um, the professional drivers do tend to do a lot better than you might expect. Um, yeah. Um, 
um, one of the um, uh, they do a lot better. I mean, of course, it is a simulation and um, you're not giving any assists. So, you know, an F1 car in a simulator, you you won't have traction control. You know, you're going to have to manually select your gears, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not like playing a game with all the assists on and just, you know, someone like me or you being able to get pole position at a Formula One Grand Prix. This is the, the simulators really do take it to a, uh, a not quite perfect, but, as you know, it, it's not as simple as just hopping in your car and going for a spin. Um, but we have, <coughs> when it comes to any kind of competitive nature of gaming or sports, we have what is um, can only be politely be called as one of our first professional non-professional esports cheaters now let me put that into some context <laughs> over the weekend there was a um a virtual online race uh, based on formula e and now for those of you who don't know what formula e is this is basically formula one but with fully electric vehicles um and it could be quite fun to watch because um it's not just about outright speed it's about conserving battery power as well um, but we had a uh, participant in that who was an actual um, Formula E driver. He drives for Audi, and his name was Daniel Abt. I think is how you pronounce it, A-B-T, Abt, something like that. Something like that. <laughs> and he was participating in the event, and he did rather well. He um, qualified, um, I think he qualified in second, and he finished the race in third, which is, as I said, it's something that you wouldn't usually expect to see an actual driver doing so well in a video game simulation, particularly against other people who are very used to driving in those simulated conditions. Um, but pretty much from the first corner, there was a lot of suspicions that it wasn't Daniel who was actually racing. Um, a former F1 driver, uh, Stoffel van Dorn, um, is, uh, was recorded saying during his... Um, during um, his stream because a uh, stream of the uh, event that um, really not happy here. That was Daniel driving the car himself and he messed up everything. That was ridic ridiculous. I'm questioning if it really was Daniel in the car. Um, so right from the first corner of this race, um, what, at least one person knew that something was a bit peculiar. And you might be saying, well, if these events are live streamed, you know, there's a video feed of Daniel Apt actually driving the car. Well, yes and no. The person who was shown in the video feed had a gaming headset that just happened to obscure his face. It would be, I'm, I'm trying to, it'd be kind of like me trying to use, trying to cover my face by kind of positioning my headset in such a way, but that's how it worked basically. Um, and exactly, that, that'd be like you trying to disguise it. <laughs> And um, it turns out that the person who was actually driving the race for Daniel Apt was a professional esports driver known as Lorenz Herzing. Um, and this has obviously got both of them into a lot of hot water because Daniel Apt was not driving the car. He, he basically hired a ringer to try and disguise himself as being much better at the game than he really was. To compound it even further, this was for a charity event looking to raise money and <laughs> uh, this was for a charity event looking to raise money so he he didn't you know he he didn't even cheat for he, he he tried to make himself look better while supposedly trying to do a good thing um what is the how did that well um firstly as i said there were a lot of suspicions that he was it wasn't him racing during the race and uh, particularly when he went to the uh, post-race interview when he finished third 
because so all of a sudden his webcam stopped working. And when uh, uh, Stefan when Stephen Van Dorn, who was already suspicious of his activities, tried to call him up on his phone, he didn't answer. It was subsequently discovered that the IP address being used by his racer wasn't actually the one that he had used prior. And it, as I said, it, it, all just, it all just fell apart very quickly that he had got in a ringer and tried to pass off this other person who was a professional esports racer as his actual performance in the race. And as I said, it, it, it really does get really sad when you consider that the person who did this is an actual physical professional driver. This, you know, it's just mad. <laughs> it's, um, it really is crazy. <laughs> just but, why? Uh, yeah. So the esports racer, uh, this uh, Lorenz Herzing, he's been um, banned from participating anymore in the series. Hasn't been banned outright from esports because he'll undoubtedly get, get invited to other events over the years. But for this particular event, he's been um, he's had his a result that he achieved in a different, but it was a different race, but in all as part of the event as a whole. So he's had that result ex- uh, removed. Um, he's been kicked from the event. Uh, as for Daniel Abt, uh, you may be surprised to hear that while he has had his result removed, he hasn't actually been outright banned. Instead, I don't, you can't call it a fine because I don't think there would be any way for them to legally enforce it. But he's been told, and I believe he has done, um, to pay ten thousand euros, which is about the same in in dollars, um, to the charity organisers, which I think he has done and he has apologised. But it just—it's really, really sad when. <laughs> If I was a professional driver, and there are loads of professional drivers who do participate, I mean, in it's sport. not like they're gonna they're gonna like fault you for doing bad at something that you don't partic- no. particularly do. So why even do it? There, there are we've seen in the particularly in the Formula One um, esports, uh, we've seen a lot of former professional drivers do it, and some of them are decent at it, and some of them are, are terrible at it. But they don't care because I know. Against these virtual races, if you were to put them in an actual car on a track, the professional is going to be better than them. Exactly. As, the gamer would, as you would expect the gamer to be in the virtual setting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why he would decide to cheat like this is beyond me because nobody would think anything more or less of him if he finished yeah. in first or last place. So why why he felt the need to cheat is... I mean, it was just, it was more about they were you're doing this to raise charity. It shouldn't be about yeah. where you place... Um, but, uh, yeah, the, so I'm, I'm pleased that they have kind of tried to just knit this one in the bud. Cause, um, yes, East, cause I think what sometimes, cause the way Daniel Ab tried to play it off was that this was an esports event and therefore I didn't take it seriously. Let me tell you, Daniel, if in the very unlikely, uh, chance that you were listening to this, people take esports incredibly seriously, particularly in instances where there is money involved. And uh, I dare say you probably can't be aware that there are certain tournaments around the world that award seven figure rewards for the winner. Esports is huge and people do take it seriously. And, um, even in an event that had absolutely no bearing other than raising money for the charity, if you cheat in an event like that, people are going to call call you up on it and you are not going to come out of it well. Um, but uh, so, yeah, hey, I mean, going, going from what you just said too, I like to touch on this just a little bit, uh, that esports is very big and it's getting even bigger with everything that's going on. So hopefully, you know, this this can actually bring some good for the esports community 
um, and, you know, raise it to higher places that it might not have been able to go before all this crap happened? Yeah, I mean, we, we've we've seen a lot of things, uh, particularly in the UK. With um, uh, the the football here has pretty much been on um, on hold for two months now. We haven't had a, a competitive football kicked in this country for a long, long time now. But we've seen online a lot of the uh, actual pros going to play FIFA online with other pros, and we've seen tournaments, and that's been great for the fans just to see the actual players because we all know that the players. Despite being professional footballers, there's not a there's not one of them that doesn't love a game of FIFA. It's it's like if you make it in the NFL. If you're big in the N- in the NFL today, you can't tell me that at one point or another you didn't play something like a John Madden game or something. So, um, it's just been a re- it's been a real nice shot in the arm and just an opportunity to just let the sport continue. And as you say, uh, hopefully it it will do something towards dispelling some of the more negative connotations that people who don't know what esports is they associate yeah. with it. I mean, it's not it's not casual people just making a living playing video games. These are people who have played a game and refined their skill to a level that they're one of the best in the world at it. And I know that that might sound trivial, but how is it different to, to anything else? Exactly. If you, if you play darts and you become, you know, world champion at darts, how is that any different to somebody who, who plays FIFA and let's say somebody who plays darts and beats 30 people to reach the final of a tournament. Somebody who does that in FIFA may have had to have played a hundred people on you know and thousands again you know there's very little difference between the two but um yeah hopefully this will give esports a bit more um bit more popularity and perhaps dare i say break out beyond the realms of games like um csgo and league of legends which are perfectly fine games but there is a lot more to esports than just the mainstream the mainstream titles out there that do seem all seem to be clamoring to get that pop uh, that that spot in the sunlight yeah. So, unless you've got anything, Hugh, I think I'm about out. That's it. <laughs> right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to check out this and prior episodes of our podcast on YouTube. They are all available on there and on all good podcasting services. And of course, Hugh also is a Twitch streamer, so be sure to check out his channel. It is I'm on the other side. Outrageous. Well, I'm, on... I'm pointing at you because you're on my side there. So. <laughs> I'm pointing over to so, <laughs> to check out he on his Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv forward slash Hurageous streams. Also, also make sure if you're if you are watching on YouTube that if you have anything you'd like us to talk about, talk about all kinds of crap, just leave us a comment. And if we like it, we'll talk about it. Yeah, and uh, hit that like, subscribe, follow. Um, all that jazz all all, all that jazz yeah (laughs) uh, you know we only do this because we presume that somebody out there will find it mildly interesting to listen to and um, you know if we get some feedback we have fun doing it too I do yeah, at least. Um, we, as I said, though, um, I've said this on prior podcasts, we are more than happy to talk about anything gaming, hardware, tech, geeky, nerdy, anime, manga, films, TV. If if we think it's a fun subject to talk about, we will cover it. So, But I think that wraps us up for the day. So until next time, I'm Hugh Rages. And I'm Suicidal Sanders. And we are Technically Gaming, and we'll talk to you later. Peace.